Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning to you, and welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Thanks for joining us today. Have a topic in mind called How to Motivate Yourself and Others. Now, motivation in today's world is often ridiculed and lampooned. In fact, there was a famous character on Saturday Night Live used to have an affirmation, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. And everybody would laugh because he was the stay motivated guy. The motivated person is often considered shallow. The motivated person is often considered gullible. If you remember American Idol back in the day, you had Simon Cowell. He was the hypercritical judge, and he was the one that everybody was seeking the approval of. Paula Abdul was the uber-motivated, very energy-giving, positive outlook in life, always found something positive to say about the performer. And yet she was considered as deep as dishwater, and it was Simon Cowell that was considered the profound one. Well, that's how it works in life. And oftentimes the cynic or the critic is considered the deeper person. Here's what I want to share with you. Motivation is hard. Motivation is difficult. And motivation is a daily job. I'm going to cover three principles with you today. I'm going to cover what motivation is and what it's not. We're going to talk about why we need it. And then I'm going to spend a lot of my time with you today on actual methodologies. How to get and stay motivated. So this is very much a... Here's how to do it. I feel like I've got a good pedigree to share this with you. We've had over uh, 3 million people through our live events and seminars. Every one of them I've taught goal writing and had them set goals. We have a coaching and training company that's the largest of its kind in the world. And we help people get and stay motivated all day long and ultimately turn them into motivators themselves. So let's talk about motivation. Here's a definition from Mr. Webster, and it says, the reason or reasons one has for acting or behaving in a particular way. The reason or reasons one has for acting or behaving in a particular way. Motivation is a very deep process. What does motivate you? What are your motivations? Very deep indeed. Now, people take shots at it all the time because they always equate motivation with emotions. And we know our emotions change. They go up, they go down, they go in, they go out. People say to me all the time, Brian, how do you stay motivated all the time? Well, here's the truth. I don't stay motivated all the time. I will share with you that I work at it most of the time. I work at it. Life happens. Motivation by its very nature ebbs and flows. And the feeling of it. Now, sometimes people think that motivation and inspiration are the same thing. And that's not true. So motivation comes from the outside and works its way in. Inspiration starts on the inside and works its way out. My great friend and mentor, Lou Tice, would say all permanent lasting change starts on the inside and works its way to the outside. And so motivation is actually external applications that can seep down into your heart, mind, and soul. The great motivator, friend and mentor, Zig Ziglar. Now, he was considered the master motivator. They call him the greatest motivator of all time. 
and he would take a lot of hits in the marketplace for that. Other presenters and speakers would take shots at Zig Ziglar because they would say, which is the major principle here we're going to talk about, what motivation isn't, and that is it's not a permanent state. And they would lampoon Zig because he would get people fired up, get people enthusiastic. He would talk in an enthusiastic way. People would leave his seminars three feet off the ground. And they go, Zig, it's not a permanent state. And he would respond to that. People often say that motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily. And that's the fact of the matter. Motivation is something you put on every day. Not put on in a fake way, but like putting on clothing. Motivation is something you do every day to engage in. By the way, I find myself showering several times a day. I shower when I get up. I shower after I work out. Sometimes I'll go to the beach with the kids in the evening or go to a game and have a shower in the evening time. I may have three showers in a day. The fact of the matter is, each time you have a shower, you get the, the warm water, those beads, you know, hitting your back and all that type of good stuff. But sometimes, for me, the shower is like a psychological thing. I'm washing away the day. Good or bad, just all the effort and all the energy of the day. Motivation is like that. And we have to bathe in it. We have to soak it up. We also have so much going against us to stop us being motivated. Here it is. Turn on your phone. Look at your updates. Check the media and the news outlets that are sending you news alert, what they consider breaking news. Turn on the TV. Engage in a conversation with the average person on just, you know, political events or what's going on. And it doesn't take much to realize it can be Debbie Downer everywhere you turn around. Turn on your radio. Turn on the evening news. Whenever it is, it's just constant barrage that we get today that can absolutely steal your joy and steal your motivation. So motivation, here's what it's not. It's not a permanent state. You need to view it like bathing. You need to view it like taking a shower. What it is, it's a reason for acting a certain way. The French used to use a a phrase called raison d'etre, which is your reason for being. I believe the more you engage with your raison d'etre, the more motivated you'll be. And we'll talk about that here today. Second major point here is why do we need it? Well, a reason by definition itself is a cause, explanation, or justification for an action or an event. Motivation ultimately needs to explain or justify why we're doing what we're doing. Why are we doing what we're doing? Sometimes you find yourself doing things you absolutely don't want to do or that you can't maintain the things that you want to do. Uh, You've had good intentions, but you just don't follow through. And so we have to encompass that motivation needs some help. Motivation needs some work. It needs principles. It needs actions. And it also needs a bunch of how-tos, which is why I'm going to spend my time with you today talking about the methodologies. My friend Jim Rohn, in a famous debate he had with Zig Ziglar, he was the philosophy. He was always the philosophy guy, and Zig was always the motivation guy. And Jim would report, he goes, Zig, motivation alone is not enough. If you have an idiot and you motivate him, all you have now is a motivated idiot, which is a great quote. But at the end of the day, he's right. Motivation won't solve everything in your life. Motivation won't solve every problem in your life. But if you're motivated, enthusiastic, and fired up, I think you'll accomplish a heck of a lot more than if you're depressed, down, and beat up. Don't you? So is it worthwhile? When you're motivated, self-motivated, you can motivate and encourage other people when they're ready for it. 
There's nothing worse than the motivator who's self-motivated, who wants to motivate the person who is not interested in it at that time. Okay? The phrase there is jack wagon. You become a jack wagon. So you don't want to be a jack wagon. So let's talk about why do we need motivation. I got a couple of thoughts on this. The first thing is the concept of having a, a definite major purpose. The man who's often thought to have basically galvanized the entire personal growth and development world was Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill wrote the book Think and Grow Rich. He spent 25 years of his life studying the most successful people on planet Earth. First commissioned by Andrew Carnegie, he got access to the Rockefeller, he got access to J.P. Morgan, he got access to Carnegie himself, uh, he got access to Thomas Edison, Charles Schwab, you name it. The great industrialists, the great success stories on Earth for 25 years. Napoleon Hill studied them. He also studied thousands of failures and then put his work into a book called Think and Grow Rich, where he broke everything he studied down into 13 principles. You know, in the world we live in today, people are on a TV show on Tuesday and they write their book on Friday. And it's supposed to be called Wisdom. Inside his seminal work, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill buried a little secret. He said, there's a secret to success that all these men and women have showed me. And, you know, today it's popular to say there's no secret to success and all those kinds of things. He put a secret in the book because he wanted people to study. He didn't want them to get a quick fix. He didn't want them to get a 140-character tweet that gave him the insight with the seven things they need to do to succeed or the blog or the vlog that said, here's the five things for success and you got it. He wanted to have his readers study absorb and integrate the content, apply the content so they could figure it out. So if you haven't done that because this is the modern world and you're listening to a podcast, I'm going to tell you what the secret in the book is. And that is a definite major purpose. What Napoleon Hill discovered of the most successful people on the planet that he spent 25 years studying is that they all had a definite major purpose, which goes right back to the reason or reasons one has for acting or behaving in a certain way. His seminal quote that everybody knows is, whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe, it can achieve. Thoughts are things, and powerful things at that. When mixed with definiteness of purpose and burning desire, that can be translated into riches. Powerful stuff. So the first thing is a definite major purpose. More on that to come. I know that sounds somewhat astronomical and intimidating. Oh my God, I don't know what my definite major purpose is. There are little clues along the way that can help you get there. The second thing, why we need motivation, is because we have all got two types of fear. We either have fear of success or fear of failure. Now, studies have shown that over 80% of people typically have a fear of success. That's right. When I ask audiences all the time, What's the biggest fear, the fear of success or the fear of failure? Most of them will say the fear of failure. The fact of the matter is, the most successful people on the planet usually have the fear of failure, which that fear often produces an energy that motivates them to achieve at a very high level. Michael Jordan, for example, was a guy who had the fear of failure, so he worked incessantly not to fail. Fear of success is what an awful lot of people have, and it ultimately becomes things that undermines our motivation. When we have a fear of success, we think, if all I do this and I do that, I'll ultimately be more successful and it'll undermine me. If I became wealthier, my friends and family might not like me anymore. What if I became wealthy and I turned into a jack wagon? And I tell people all the time, wealth never creates a character in a person. It only reveals it. 
Wealth is just a magnifying glass, that's all. I've met many a broke jack wagon. It's just uh, sometimes someone was a jack wagon without resources, and then they got resources, and then it became the ultimate jack wagon. So can you tell that's my new word? I love it. Doesn't it sound great? Jack wagon. You don't know if I'm swearing or not. So fear of success, fear of failure. Jack Canfield, who co-authored Chicken Soup for the Soul, said, everything you want is on the other side of fear. Powerful stuff. Sven Eriksson, who is one of the most successful international soccer managers in history, said the greatest barrier to success is the fear of failure. And so his thing was always pushing people in players because his players are on stadiums where 50,000 people are watching. So what happens is sometimes they'll come up small. He would let them know, I will never chastise you for taking a shot. I will never chastise you for missing a penalty. I will never chastise you for going for it. Because he wanted to have his players be fearless so that even though they were in front of 50,000 people and millions watching on television, he wanted them to have no fear of failure whatsoever. Paulo Coelho, who wrote The Alchemist, said, there's only one thing that makes a dream impossible to achieve, and that's the fear of failure. Winston Churchill said this, success is the ability to go from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. And then Brian Tracy said, it's not failure itself that holds you back. It is the fear of failure that paralyzes you. So I'm going to say success and failure. Now, here's the good news. Fear of success can be easily overcome by the steps I'm going to outline for you today. It can be easily overcome by the methodologies I'm going to share with you today. So I'm happy for that. Another dynamic of why we need motivation is ultimately the concept of want to versus have to. The problem for so many people, especially in Western civilization, is everything is optional. Very few of our decisions in our life in Western civilization are life and death. Very few people go to bed at night in Western cultures with the fear of, is my country going to be overrun? Am I going to have my rights taken away? It's a small percentage of people who think I'm going to be killed in my sleep. Very few people in Western civilization wake up and go, I wonder if I'm going to have enough bread to eat today. Obviously, there's poverty. Obviously, there's hardship. But those thoughts would be far more prevalent in other parts of the world. So what happens with more privileged societies where we have more resources, where we have more options, where our basic needs are somewhat taken for granted? Things become a want to as opposed to a have to. And sometimes one of the best ways to get motivated is to take it from the want-to column and put it in the have-to by just changing your paradigm. So, for example, uh, I was speaking at a real estate conference years and years ago, and I was doing a live Q&A with the audience. And this one lady stood up and said, I'm in the real estate business. I'm in an area where there's very, very few homes for sale. I have buyers who want to buy, but there's very little inventory for me to show them. I know the things you're telling me to do will help me go generate a listing to put a house on the market, but I'm somewhat indifferent about doing it, and yet I know I need to do it. How can you help me get motivated? So I did a little exercise with her, and this is hyperbole, exaggeration for effect. So I asked her, did she have kids? She said yes. So I took my magic marker that I used on my flip chart at the time before we used all this fancy electronic stuff today, and I drew a picture of her kid. And I, I, what's the name of your, one of your kids? And she gave it to me. And then I used the marker and I held it to the head I had just drawn on the marker board. And I said, imagine I have a gun to your child's head. And you have 24 hours. 24 hours to get a property on the market. Or I'm going to shoot your son. Would you do it? And she goes, yeah. And then what would you do? Well, I would do this and this and this, which were all the action steps. 
I later found out this is a cool paradigm shift for an audience, so I would use this illustration over and over again. Until one day, I made the mistake of using it, and I was vague with my question. And I asked this one woman again. She had the same question. And I said, uh, do you have any kids? She said, yeah. And I said, well, imagine I had the gun to your kid's head. And I said, unless you go get a listing in the next 24 hours, I'm going to shoot your kid. And she said to me, which kid? And so that was the end of that analogy. <laughs> As the place went up for grabs, everybody's laughing. And I thought, okay, i got to find a different analogy. The purpose of that hyperbole was to get people to go from want to to have to. Sometimes, sometimes when you're writing your goals, you need to write down what will happen negatively if I don't achieve this goal. Oh, I want to lose some weight. Uh, you know, my cholesterol's up a little. My blood pressure's high a little. Great. But you've tried five different diets. You've done this. You kind of bought the new gear. You did a little workout in January. You stopped in February. And you keep writing the same goal over and over again. Maybe sometimes you've got to sit down and write it out and go from want to to have to. And it becomes, if I stay on this path, I'm going to die of a heart attack. Maybe I'm going to be debilitated with a stroke. Maybe I'm going to, I'm going to leave my family with these kind of bills. I'm going to not see my grandchildren grow up. I'm going to not be there. My kids are going to be in a situation where they need my help and I'm not there for them. Sometimes it's good to find motivation through the negative consequences. And so if you actually think through the process of what if I don't take action, what's going to happen? Maybe you'll find a little motivation there. And so we don't always want to make it dramatic to that degree, but sometimes we do. And here's what I can tell you. Once you take action, once you get in the game, once you feel that joy of motivation, once that motivation turns into energy and that energy turns into accomplishment, boy, you want more of it. You want more of it. And that's certainly what I'm hoping to do today. So in the time I have left with you, I'm going to cover this third major point. This is how do we get and stay motivated? Well, that's kind of what I have as a business. I have hundreds of employees that do this every day. We put on dozens of events. We put on all these podcasts. Every dynamic ultimately is how to help somebody get and then stay motivated. Our mission at Buffeting Company is to impact and improve the lives of people. So that impact is to get someone motivated. And then the improvement comes in helping them stay motivated and be consistent and follow through. So there's three basic methodologies. Each one of these I could do a couple of hours on, but I'm just going to give you a couple of pointers for today. And it's goals, accountability, and tracking. So if you have these three how-tos, this will help you get motivated yourself. And then ultimately, these three methodologies are what you can influence others in and help others get motivated. Now, I'm going to say this to you. The key to motivation is being a role model. The key to being a great motivator is to live it. Sometimes I'll get a letter or an email say, oh, this was a great show, Brian. It was a great podcast. I want to send it to this person and this person. Well, if you really want to influence those people, put it in place too. Let them see you do it, okay? I always say to people when it comes to parenting, kids don't listen to what you say. They're too busy watching what you do. So we're going to talk about goals, accountability, tracking. Goals. By definition, it's the end to which all effort is directed the end to which all effort is directed. Have you ever found yourself wasting energy, wasting time? Have you ever felt like that the efforts that you're putting out on a daily, weekly, monthly basis aren't actually accomplishing much? Typically, it's because you don't have a sharpness of vision where these goals collide. That's where ultimately this definite major purpose comes into play. But what is the end or ends to which 
your efforts being directed. Once you have that, you're in great shape. Again, Mr. Hill said this, a goal is a dream with a deadline. A goal is a dream with a deadline. Without a deadline, it's just a wish. And that's why if you want to be terrific in writing goals, you've got to be specific. Here's a couple of questions to ask yourself with regards to goals. What do I really want? What do I need to achieve it? And what are my next steps? So what do I really want? What do I need to achieve it? And what are my next steps? I've taught maybe a dozen different methodologies of goal writing over the years. One I particularly like is a format of 10-day, 10-month, and a five-year goal. And there's a lot of reasons for that, and I could go into the whole science behind it, how people view time, how some people are paralyzed by the long term, how some folks, they're great with the long term, but they can't think about what to do tomorrow. I can give you many, many examples. I've seen people in seminars with me staring at me like they're looking into a field because they were paralyzed at the concept of writing a goal. So overall, and again, almost 30 years at this, I found 10 days, 10 months, 5 years were a fantastic way to go. In fact, we do this at our success tour events where we actually typically will have someone set 10-day goals right there in front of us, and then we put it on this really cool like cardstock, and we have them pin up their 10-day goals or stick them on a, a mirror in their bathroom. In my bathroom, in my home, the top right-hand drawer has a stack of these cardstock 10-day goals. So think about it. I've been going and presenting this stuff for years. When the clients who are the attendees of the events are actually writing their 10-day goals, I'll write mine. I'll stick them on the mirror in the bathroom so I'm looking at them every single day. And then when they're accomplished and checked off, I pull them off the mirror and I stick them in the top drawer. I've been doing that for years. And so actually we have a little resource for you we're going to give you today. is a very simple little format on these 10-day goals in the key areas, spiritual, family, business, financial, personal. It's a cool little resource. It's on the com, and you can go ahead and download that. Okay, so we talked about goals. The second piece is accountability. By definition, accountability is a willingness to accept responsibility or account for one's actions. So accepting responsibility. Again, this is why I'll probably never have an infomercial. Three easy payments of 1995 to learn how to accept responsibility. Not exactly very popular stuff in the modern culture. And I can tell you this all the time. We have 21,000 members, people we coach and train every day. And every one of them will say, one of the things I want from you guys is accountability. And I'll tell you something, after 22 years of doing this, what I found is that everybody wants accountability until they get it. And so... The key with accountability is the willingness. Understand that this is the stuff that makes you better. And a couple of different ways to go here. Obviously, a coach is the ultimate. Having someone who's a coach. For example, I have a health coach. So I've worked out four days out of four so far this week, 7.15 to 8.15, and I have a coach. My kids call him Coach Beard because he has a big giant beard, he has the, the man bun, he's a chiropractic doctor who's also a UFC fighter, and we call him the Enlightened Savage. And he looks like a Viking, that's the best way I could describe him. Brilliant guy, very smart, and here's what he's really smart at. He's really smart at taking away all my excuses. And so sometimes I go, hey, Michael, I'm sorry, I had this come up, but that's fine, I'll come in a half hour early, I'll see you there. Okay, all right. Uh, you know what, Michael, I have all this stuff going on with the kids. Okay, that's fine. We have the gym at your house. I'll meet you there. And you know what? It's great. It's great. And I find myself right now, 
accelerating in my fitness, stronger, more flexible than I've been in years. Why? Because I have the accountability of a coach. It's why I believe in it. And I have many coaches. Our company hires consultants as coaches. And then we're a coaching company. It's the ultimate form of accountability. Ultimately, the goal is to get people to the highest level. What we actually do is we don't try to hold people ultimately accountable. That's the level one. Level two is you get somebody and you hold them capable. That's really where you want to go. First level is to hold them accountable so they show up, do the work. The next level is you hold them capable, and that's where the magic is. Another great way to go is to find an accountability partner. You know, Maybe you're, you're going to start off an exercise program. Maybe you just find a walking partner to start with. And somebody say, I'll meet you down, to, you know, right down there in the corner. I'll see you there at 7 o'clock in the morning. And some mornings you're going to get up and I don't feel like it. But you know they're going to be there. Some morning you don't know they're saying, I don't want to show up either, but they think you're going to be there. So you have an accountability partner. And again, it's been around a long time. One of the wealthiest men who ever lived, King Solomon, who wrote the book of Proverbs, said, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That's the power of accountability. Nick Saban is the highest paid coach in America. $11 million a year he gets paid to have teenagers take pigskin full of air 100 yards up and down the field. So apparently that's a big deal, especially in the South. And so he says this, there are three things we can't have. We can't have complacency, we can't have selfishness, and we can't lose our accountability. The most successful coach in America today the man who's in the national championship almost every year, basically says there's only three things that he works on. Avoiding complacency, selfishness, and accountability. Powerful stuff. The third point in how to stay motivated is tracking. And measuring the amount of something or the steps taken as a means to an end is a definition of tracking. Measuring the amount of something or steps taken as a means to an end. Here's the key ingredient with this. Tracking is an objective standard so that you don't get into subjectivity. So, for example, my enlightened savage health coach, he'll say to me, "Uh, Brian, how'd you do with eating yesterday? And I'll say, pretty good. Pretty good. Because I feel like I did pretty good. And so he said, all right, Brian, we've been working out now for five or six weeks. You're working out so hard you're doing all these exercises. We're not seeing the progress. It has to be on your nutrition side. You have to be not eating great. I know. I feel like I'm eating pretty good. And so then he said, fine, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a photograph throughout your day of everything you're putting in your mouth. He said, whatever's going in your mouth, I want a photograph of it. And so here's breakfast. Here's lunch. Oh, I didn't realize, you know, I I have four buildings that makes up our Buffini Company campus. Sometimes I'll go from building to building. Well, some of the people in the building, they have little treats on their desk and whatever else. It's like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory around here. Never even occurred to me that sometimes I'll pick up one of those things and pop it in my mouth. But when he gave me the concept of whatever you put in your mouth, you've got to take a photograph of it first. Well, first of all, it stopped me putting a lot of things in my mouth that I didn't realize I was doing. And second of all, it made me extremely, extremely intentional about what I was eating. All of a sudden, I'm working out the same, but I'm seeing great progress. Why? because I'm tracking. You know, years ago, our clients came to us and they said, Brian, you know, we love the systems for growing our business. We love how we're developing relationships. We love all these things. But we're having a hard time measuring our progress and knowing that our action steps are ultimately going to turn into success for us. 
And so they're trying this system, a, a contact management system, for example, or this tracking device. And I did not want to do it. I did not want to get into the software business. I did not want to get into the IT development business. But I realized that without us building a tracking system that was part of how we coach and train people, we were ultimately not going to get the results we wanted. And so we did, and we invested and have invested millions and millions of dollars into what's called a CRM, a client relationship management system, that basically does this. It helps our clients enter their goals, where they are, where they want to be, and then when they follow the steps we lay out for them, it gives them feedback on a regular basis. Now that you've done this, you'll get that. Now that you've done this, you're going to be here. Here's how far along you are. Here's your progress report. Here's where you're at. And it gives people visibility. It gives people motivation because all of a sudden now you see what's happening. You know, if you, let's say you committed to a weight loss goal and you, you're eating right and working out. Well, one of the things that's helpful is it may be a pair of jeans you didn't fit into. All of a sudden you do. And those kinds of things. So tracking is very, very powerful. The famous Lord Kelvin, who developed the Kelvin scale, it's a thermodynamics and temperature measurement, brilliant, brilliant man. He said, I often say that when you can measure what you are speaking about and express it in numbers, you know something about it. But when you cannot measure it, when you cannot express it in numbers, your knowledge is of a meager and unsatisfactory kind. We have to measure and track or we can't improve. You just can't improve what you don't measure. And so when you set a goal and you get accountability, there has to be some form of tracking so that you know where you are and you know where your progress. Because the worst thing of all is the biggest loss of motivation for me is lack of progress. Now, what's important is that the feeling of progress as opposed to the numbers of progress are not always the same thing. Whether it's losing weight, whether it's getting out of debt, whether it's building a business, whether it's building back your relationships you often don't see the results. You know, when you're working out, they say the one thing you should never do is jump on a scale every day because your body changes throughout because it can be the most depressing thing. All of a sudden, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm not seeing the progress. But if you're tracking your activities, the next thing you know, you can see some progress in that. And then you keep being faithful. You know what? I've done it seven days in a row. You know, I've done this now for 30 days in a row. That in itself keeps the motivation going. And then all of a sudden, you start seeing the results and you start tracking the results. Ultimately, we said today is about how to motivate yourself, and we also mentioned others. Well, I believe that if you'll pour the good stuff into your head, you'll write the goals, you get accountability, and then you get tracking and you keep tracking, you're going to see results. And as you see results, you can be a greater example to the marketplace. St. Francis of Assisi, who lived in the end of the uh, 12th and the beginning of the 13th century, said, share the gospel at all times but only use words if absolutely necessary. What was he talking about? Live it. Live it out. Don't be just talking about it. Live it out. By the way, when you live it out, it gives you the right to talk about it. When you live it out as a successful entrepreneur, do that before you talk about it. In our world today, I I will say this to you, and I, I would never throw cold water on people's dreams, but the hundreds and hundreds of people who've told me over the last few years they want to be a speaker. They want to be a speaker. How do I be a speaker? And I always say to him, be a success and then be a speaker. Do something worth speaking about and then talk about it. It's far more sustaining than being some kind of flash in the pan. So live it out. We want to motivate ourselves. And when we motivate ourselves, it will motivate others. So find some outlets for it. Be a mentor. Seek out people who are looking for insight and looking for help. Okay? Be open to it. Find places to serve. 
and by your example and by your influence. The other part is wherever you're already connected, when you're setting goals, when you have accountability, and when you're tracking your results, it's a very easy thing to share. There's many organizations that need help. There are many organizations that don't have clear-cut goals, don't have clear-cut accountability, and don't track anything. And so this can be from charities to ministries, all over the place. There's many, many places to, to do this type of stuff. And so be an example of it. Live it. Motivate yourself. Therefore, you can go and motivate others. So what we covered today is what motivation is and what it isn't, why we need it, and how do we get it and stay motivated and ultimately bring a few people along the journey with us. Now, before I close here today, our producer, David Lally, he has a special message for you. Thanks, Brian. Hey, guys, thanks for listening in. We have something pretty cool to offer you today. If you like what Brian has had to say and you're looking to get and stay motivated, then our coaching program is something you should really check out. Our coaches will teach you the fundamentals of working by referral and help you stay on track towards your goals. So head over to buffiniandcompany.com slash CCS and request a complimentary group coaching session or give our membership consultant team a call at 800-945-3485 extension 2. Thanks for listening in. Back to you, Brian. Well, that's great, David. And what a fantastic opportunity that is for you guys to get access to a Buffini and Company coaching session. So that should help you set your goals. That should help you with a little accountability, and that's also going to set you up for a little tracking. I love hearing your feedback. I love hearing your responses. And I got a note here that's very motivating for me, and it's about someone who listened to the information and took action. Her name is Sarah Joy. What a great name. So this is from Sarah Joy Wester. And as she said, I'm trying to balance uh, the responsibilities of being a stay-at-home mom and taking care of my family while also being a good steward of the dream God put in my heart to write a book. So she has a book that she sent me in her hands here, Dawn the Dreamer and the Featherfield, the story of how the broken birds began to fly. So it's a beautifully illustrated kids' book here. She said her husband sent her the podcast uh, The Power of a Made-Up Mind. She said, I just mapped out my goal and was feeling discouraged with the estimation that it would take me a year and a half to finish all the illustrations at the pace I was going. After I listened to that podcast, I was particularly inspired by the concept of backing oneself into a corner and the story of the man who swam out half the distance in the lake for his goal and then had no choice but to swim all the way back if he wanted to return alive. She said, that day, I determined to double my goal for illustrations and did so every week thereafter. I finished the book in a fraction of the time that I had originally estimated and truly owe a huge part of that to hearing that podcast. It refreshed my courage to dare greatly and sparked my determination to make great things happen. Thanks for doing what you do. It matters a lot. And I hope you and your family enjoy Dawn the Dreamer's Story. Beautiful book. Congratulations, Sarah Joy Wester. And, you know, I get sent 50, 60 books a month I don't endorse a lot of books, but this is awesome. It's beautiful. It's a great kid's book. And I'm very, very inspired myself because she listened to a podcast, took action, and now here she is. She's achieved a goal and a dream and got it done while being a stay-at-home mom. So fair play to you on that. And uh, for all of you, maybe you too need to send a copy of a podcast to a friend. Her husband gave her the copy. Maybe you can send this to a friend or encourage your friend to tune in and subscribe to The Brian Buffini Show. Maybe they can 
use a little encouragement or a little motivation. And before I leave you here today, I have another little treat for you. My mom and dad were in town recently doing a long-distance Popeye, and my mom actually recorded The Irish Blessing, which is where I first heard it from her dad, but she's the one who put it inside my heart every day. My mom was a great source of motivation for me. She's the one who told me almost every day in my life, you can do it, Briny. And so she was there, and I only thought it would be a great finish to today's podcast that the greatest motivator in my life maybe could motivate you today. Picture this. She's an 87-year-old sweetheart of a little Irish gal. She's a great-grandmother, and she just got to see her great-grandchild for the first time. And she's going to leave you with the Irish blessing. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. Oh,